Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Hello. Today, I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the podcast and also to the Naropa community. We have brothers Ali and Otman Smith and Andy Gonzalez. They are the founders of the Holistic Life Foundation, and it's really exciting to have you here today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Yeah. What's up, Naropa? (laughs) So I would love to just start with Holistic Life Foundation. What is it? What is it you do? How do you go about doing your work and how do you show up in your communities? Uh, so we're a Baltimore-based nonprofit that the three of us started fresh out of the University of Maryland College Park back in 2001. Our focus is, it's, it started off as, as a lot of different things. We were going to focus on ways to help the planet and the people and to show the interconnectedness between the planet's health and the people's health. So we were looking at, initially it was yoga, it was alternative energy, it was farming, it was um, living sustainable lifestyle, just mm-hmm. any and everything we could do to, to have planetarian and like personal wellness yeah. uh, to just heal up everything um, as things went on it went to mostly yoga and mindfulness based work that we were doing yeah um, because a lot of people were doing environmental work not in 2001 not a lot of people were doing mindfulness or yoga in schools so yeah. like that became our niche and it, it was I mean, we still do some some environmental work but it's mostly the the inner work that we're doing and hopefully people will connect and do more outer work after that i mean and that does yeah. end up happening yeah, I'm I'm seeing a relationship between the inner work and the outer work. And the mindfulness is the inner work. The working the land is the outer work. And it's really beautiful to kind of like counteract those together, you know, because it's like holistic, as your foundation suggests. Mm-hmm. Nice. What kind of like outer work do you end up doing? In regards to outer work, we definitely organize community cleanups uh, with mentors. I mean, with our mentees, kids that are in, our, in middle school and high school. Yeah. We build raised bed gardens and um, create park spaces where there are vacant lots. Yeah. Tree, Tree plantings. Nice. Rain barrels. Uh, you know, to, like we try to do the run the gamut as far as uh, exposing, yeah. you know, urban communities to alternative ways to kind of heal up the planet and, you know, use resources. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. So. Wow. You guys seem so busy with everything that you're doing. It's it's kind of really exciting. Like the the dedication you have feels very thick with love and just intention behind it. And how do you sustain yourself within that? Well, I mean, this is our baby, so it's yeah. really you know we're really focused on it, and um, we definitely ascribe still to the work hard, play hard mantra kind of you know so we make sure we still have some time for ourselves whether it's traveling or Ali hanging with his boys or or just taking some some downtime you know what I mean to be able to relax and just chill out but I mean I'd say the the main reason we're able to do all that we do and still kind of remain even keel is our practice that all of us do meditate daily yeah and uh, without that practice I think we would be a little more off kilter, you know, and we wouldn't be as centered and present as, as we are. Um, yeah. But I think that the foundation of having that practice and, and always kind of um, embodying the practice is what allows us to do the work we're doing without burning ourselves out. Yeah, we yeah. are a real strong team, too, like administratively and programmatically. Like we've, we've been on the road a lot in the last month and mm-hmm. it's not going to end until pretty much the end of April. OK, but uh, 
things are still rolling in Baltimore. All of our programs are still running. The office is still still moving. Like our infrastructure is strong, and our program mm-hmm. staff is even stronger. So it's nice. It's like a it's it's a team. It's not just at one point it, the Holistic Life Foundation was the three of us. Yeah, I mean, and that's what it was. We were doing everything, but now for us to be able to help the amount of people that we're helping them to be able to travel and continue things to grow and move. Like, mm-hmm. it has to be a really, really strong team. Definitely. And we really enjoy our work. Uh, we have fun. Our teacher yeah. told us, like, if you're uh, not having fun or mm. if your class isn't having fun, you're yeah. not a good teacher. Yeah. So we have fun like in whatever we do. We laugh a lot. And that kind of balances out working hard. Yeah, it's quite interesting to realize how laughter can inform the work, mm-hmm. you know, the work mm-hmm. you do. So I really appreciate that. Uh, so, like, you were talking about your team. What, what does your team look like now? Because it seems like you guys are exponentially expanding and you're traveling a lot you started in baltimore and now it seems like it might be kind of going to other places so like what does your team look like now how do how do people get on your team i see we our program staff is around 40 people okay a lot of them are former students of ours people Mm -hmm. that have gone through our after school program some of them may have gone to our mentoring program but they and then they enter our workforce development program yeah we train them to be instructors and go into schools and i mean all all throughout the community and do work um, some of them are, are young people that have been through our Mindful Moment program. They may have gotten in contact with us in high school, yeah. and then they'll graduate high school, and if they're not going to college, or if they, even if they are going to college, we'll train them, and then they'll become instructors mm-hmm. or volunteers that that turned out to be really good volunteers, and then we train them to be instructors or friends of current employees. We'll train them, and they'll become instructors for us. And now there's um, people that work at, at yoga studios are reaching, or people who are meditation teachers or mindfulness practitioners they'll reach out to us too. I mean, we compensate our teachers really well. Like they make, yeah. they make a good earning and, and the people that are instructors at yoga studios realize that they can bring the practice to people who might not be able to have access to it, mm. but at the same time make more than they're making at a yoga studio. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Bringing that information out and just sharing it. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I love the idea of like empowering people, like not just like, Oh, keep coming here with something that I want and, you know, financially it's, it's just like, let me give you the tools to like self-regulate yourself. I love that. That's basically our model is reciprocal teaching. Like our teacher made us promise him like that, you know, if he taught us that we were going to be teachers, mm. we do that with all of our students or clients is like, you know, we kind of teach in a way that they learn the benefits of the practice, yeah. uh, how to practically use them and how to lead themselves and other people through the practice. So, yeah. 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 A lot of times people, when they introduce us, they always say, oh, these three guys have been doing this amazing work and um, they've saved all these, you know, thousands of kids' lives. And we always, yeah. we're quick to correct them and say, hold on, we, we didn't save anyone's lives. We provided the tools for them to save their own lives. Yes. And that's what we like to do is, is yeah. to give them the skills and the techniques so that when they are faced with adverse scenarios and situations, they'll be able to, to manage their emotions or what they're going through yeah. and be able to be um, more present and in that moment mm. so they can be more compassionate, loving individuals. Yeah. I know I know one thing Ali always Ooh. says in regards to that, like when we empower people with maybe a horrible business model, but it's great for making change, you know? That's the business model I want. So, I want the I want the model that's gonna change stuff up. I I feel like there's such a huge shift happening, and like the work is within is where the work needs to start. Yeah, you know, because sure. there's a lot of external work, and it's like how do we filter all this? And so like giving people the tools to have a skillful filter over their heart, over their mind, over their soul, and just like over whatever they're like transposing it on their communities, their situations. You speak about your teacher. Uh, can you tell me more about that? Like, who taught you? 
kind of where does that come from, the lineage, maybe the techniques you've learned and kind of integrated into your work? Yeah, it's our, um, me and Ahmed's godfather, our dad's best friend. Nice. Um, he's one of those people that got into yoga and contemplative practices in the mid-60s. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he's just one of those people that fell in love with the practice and couldn't stop learning. Like, he's an avid reader, he's an avid learner, mm. and he's just very passionate about it. Okay. Um, he taught our dad a couple practices uh, for his prostate, and uh, my dad was sold, and, and they did mm. some studying at a few, like... Uh, like some kundalini places, they went to a church that was based on Kriya. They went to learn okay. Tantra in D.C. So they, they learned a lot of different things. But, I mean, he's just yeah. one of those people that's just felt a deep connection to the practice and, and never gave it up. Like, it's it's what his life is. Mm. And um, I think he made us promise to be teachers because he doesn't mm. – like, he loves his life. Like, he loves the fact that he can yeah. just kind of sit back and study and practice when he wants to and, and be there for us. And he can just kind of dump all the information yeah. on us and be like, all right, you guys go – Go do your thing with it, but I'm. I just want to be. Just let me be me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was always uh, really adamant about making sure that um, he introduced us to a wide variety of techniques too, because he, yes. he said he knew that we were going to be facing all sorts of demographics and different types of populations, mm -hmm. and and uh, he wanted to make sure that we had as many tools in our toolbox so that when we go to whatever scenario or whoever it is we're talking to, that we can impact them. I mean, he started a lot with more mat-based practices, some mm -hmm. more of the physical asanas and some of the pranayama techniques and the breathing exercises and the meditations. And now it's a lot more subtle practices. I know um, we still probably each see them once a week to this day. And wow. it's like three to four hours of just talking about like love and oneness now, which is awesome. It's like, oh my the, God. It's like the best time in my That's week. That's yummy. It's, yeah, right? Yeah. Bring it on. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> love and oneness. Right. <laughs> oh my God. That love and oneness made me forgot the question I just wanted to ask. <laughs> I'm all about it. It's all right. Um, how do you see this work empowering individuals? Like what has shown up for you? It seems as though you've been doing it enough time that you've seen the impact, the enriching of people's lives, the individuality coming to fruition. How does that show up for you? What does it look like from your perspective? I know one story that jumps right in my mind is, uh, and that we always tell it is, of this little girl who kind of grew up in the same projects that Freddie Gray was from. And it's like a very yeah. underserved community. So she used to come to school with tattered clothes and people used to make fun of her. So she was mm. always fighting. Yeah. And it wasn't good that she was fighting because her brother got introduced to boxing at a young age and taught her how to punch. And she was oh. just knocking people out, mm. boys, girls, Ooh. older, same yeah. age. And, uh, you know, she eventually gravitated to the practice and she became yeah. one of our best teachers but you know she still w mm. had a little edge to her yeah and we saw it actually click in her mind to actually practically use the techniques that we were teaching her one day when some girl said something to her to get her upset and she jacked a little girl up on the wall and then sh she saw us walking around the corner she looked at the girl looked at us looked at the girl looked at us looked at the girl <laughs> and she pointed in the girl's face and was like you better be glad i'm meditating dropped her and sat down and started doing some breathing and the principal saw that and after she saw that she was definitely like man we definitely need y'all in the school and that's when we were the following year we were able to do a the yeah. in school or the during school the mindful mm. moment program because she saw the impact that we had with the one of her more challenging students and you know the practice actually she was living the practice instead of just having to uh, do the practice on the mat yeah wow yeah I, th I think it also empowers people with like kind of awareness and connection because like a lot of people aren't connected to themselves first of all like they're kind of disconnected from their true inner self yeah and like it kind of 
puts them in a little box. They get connected to whatever's like physically in front of them. Mm-hmm. But when we connect kid or show kids how to connect with their real self, the world opens up to them and there's more accessible and there's more that seems tangible for them to reach out and achieve. And then like just mm-hmm. an awareness of what's going on inside of them. You know what I mean? A lot of times people's thoughts are, they're kind of slaves to their thoughts and their thoughts are kind of going in a negative spiral and it just drags them down. But just the awareness yeah. of like, okay, this is a thought. I don't have to take ownership of it. I don't have to judge it. It's a thought. And then I can move forward in the direction yeah. that I choose to move in and not just like mm-hmm. have my thoughts drag me around or have my senses drag me around and like be just kind of driven by sense born desires. Yeah. Like it's an awareness of inner and outer, but just yeah, definitely awareness and connection. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing to see, um, just to build on that, how, how they do gain that increased sense of self-worth, you know, that when they, when they really identify with who they really are and they learn to love themselves, how it starts to, exude from them and, and they become more compassionate empathetic individuals to everyone because i think that they can put themselves in other people's shoes and understand that they may be facing certain scenarios or trauma that has impacted them and that's why they're going through it so i think that they make that connection that we are all one and is a, a unifying thing there where as as individuals learn to love themselves they learn to love everyone else more and then yeah. the culture and the climate in the school in the neighborhood really transforms to that sense of community again yeah i mean we always say that the reason that uh they call hoods hoods is because the neighbors moved out so it was a neighborhood and mm-hmm. all the neighbors moved out so now it's a hood but w- what we're doing is we're transforming back into turning those hoods into neighborhoods where it's that yeah. sense of family and, and that community and that whole village raising a child yeah you know? Oh, I love that. So you you kind of like sparked an idea in my mind. So when you're having these like enslavement thoughts, these thoughts that kind of like bring you down or, or kind of suggesting things that aren't in line with your higher self, like I had this idea where it's like question the questions. Where are the questions coming from? What is questioning? Like distinguishing between ego and what is actually serving you. And like you were saying of just letting those things go and not holding on to them. And it seems as though the breathing practice is a moment to bring you in the moment and be like, what does serve me? Mm-hmm. You know, and like question where that question coming from. Because if you have a question that is challenging you or a thought that is challenging you, you can realize that's ego based mm-hmm. ego is a psyche mechanism for certain things but not for this mm-hmm. you know and then you also got me thinking like when i was younger i was like when if they just taught how to love in school it's like how many of all <laughs> how many how, were you taught to love i wasn't nah. you know it's like mm-hmm. like school hard knocks i didn't learn how to love i had to figure it out myself and to be honest like if i feel like if we were taught to love at a young age where would we be it'd be so good and it feels as though like there's so much love in your work that i'm like yeah this this is where it's going yeah i mean it's so true i mean i think that's um and we always talk about the concept of love and even trying to break down kind of some of those uh, misconceptions of love you know a lot of people i think when yes. they think of the word love they identify with lust more lust than love where yeah. it's that uh the sensual or the sexual desires that you're having mm-hmm. and as oftentimes where when we are talking to youth or adults even and, and we bring up that conversation how awkward some people may feel discussing love or even yeah. when i say i love you to them they look at me like who the hell are you what do you, mean you love me type <laughs> stuff you know so i think as yeah. we bring that up more mm-hmm. and we talk to kids there's that one great example ali that you always talk about with um when we were on the porch Tay. with Tay and that. Oh, yeah. When we were, um, there was a group of uh, young people we were working with in our neighborhood, and mm-hmm. they were uh, they were wild. They were a wild group of kids, and they uh, they used to kind of 
they just didn't have respect for other people's property. Our, our neighbor directly next door to us, they would like throw trash on a the porch. They would hop on our car. They would play tag around our car and break stuff. They would oh, man. kick the banister and like knock pieces loose from the banister. Yeah. One day she came out and just kind of cursed the three of us out about it. Mm. And then the kids came by and we had to, and we had to like, cause we would nicely ask him like, Hey, can you all please stop? Like, she's not really appreciating this. Yeah. So we had to kind of like sit in a little more forceful manner and like, you know what I mean? Just, we had to give it to him a little bit. I mean, yeah. Just to make him serious that this was serious. The samurai and, sword came out. You know what I mean? Like we yeah, had to break out the like, samurai whoosh. sword. And, um, the next day they, all of them showed up except for one who was, we, we kind of like directed everything at cause he was kind of like the ringleader of mm-hmm. when they would kind of go a little crazy. And, uh, he didn't show up the next day, and uh, we were, they were like, well, I was like, well, where's Tay? And they were like, well, he, he didn't come by. Like, you were mean to him yesterday. I was like, mm. I mean, I, I love him. Like, he should always be around. And yeah. they were like, ew, you can't say that. You can't say you love people. And we, I was like, what? I love all of y'all. Like, what do y'all mean? Like, oh, you just can't say, you just can't run around saying mm. you love people. And, like, these are kids that, like, felt free to curse around us. But it was weird for, for us to say that we love them. But now, yeah. I mean... Through through the years, I mean, they they say I love you to us, and it's like they understand. I think we just had to model what love was, and like Andy was saying, it wasn't yeah. that physical attraction or a lust thing. It was like yeah. a deep spiritual connection and understanding mm. to them. Yeah, uh, skillful love based in ego-based love. Like, where's the love coming from, you know? Mm. And, and learning how to redefine what love means to you, because as we grow older, we start realizing, like when you have a family and like you have children and a wife and you go deeper into your family, you realize there might have been conditions that you are unconditioning. So you're able to like peel the layers back and be like, whoa, there it is. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like infinite water depth of just like, yes, that's where it's at. So I really dig that. And it's almost like you love that person more because yeah. you're willing to show up in the tough love moment and just be like, hey, look. I'm seeing this thing and I just really need to talk to you about it. I want to meet you halfway. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So why yoga and meditation? What is it about those modalities that have the richness that you were looking for? Like what, what drawn you to those? Cause it, it seemed like you kind of grew up in a setting where it was around, but what triggered the moment where you're like, this might be useful for other people. Like I want to start something out of that. Was there anything else you were kind of dabbling with and maybe wanting to play with that? I mean, I remember uh, when we got into yoga, the uh, contemplative practices, it was after we had uh, actually gone on a search for, like, what, what's the purpose of our existence? Why are we here? And, mm-hmm. you know, we searched through the libraries uh, and, you know, different topics like creational theories, astrology, astronomy, philosophy. Yeah. Um, just looking for answers. And the more we looked the more questions arose. Yep. And then uh, our teacher, you know, we were all over there hanging out one day and we saw a yoga manual. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was the Survival Kit by Yogi Bhajan. Okay. Um, and it told you all these different miraculous things that you can achieve through uh, yoga and meditation. And, you know, we asked uh, our uncle, we were like, man, yoga and meditation can help you do these things? And we're like really big into like star wars and superheroes so oh, we were like yeah. yo we're about to become like jedis yeah i, I feel that uh, me too and um <laughs> the he, mystery yeah. he, he was definitely like uh amazed that somebody was interested because he'd been trying to like teach us yeah. for a while uh and we were just not receptive or not ready at the time mm-hmm. but you know we when we saw like some of the superpowers that would come from this practice we got excited about it and asked yeah. him to teach us 
and you know he told us first off that's a byproduct that's not why you do the practice it's mm-hmm. just it just comes from the practice totally. and then he told us like yeah if you all are serious come over four o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. also if you come over you're not gonna be he said i don't want no devotees i want teachers yeah. so he, we knew it was going to be a herculean task in front of us uh, so we dove into our practice, and we saw how it kind of strengthened us mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and, you know, mm-hmm. tapped us into our source. And we're yes. like, yes, this this is it. This yeah. is what we were looking for. And, you know, because we did feel so, I guess, euphoric and, mm-hmm. you know, clear-headed and seeing through different eyes and, you know, conscious of different things and yeah. more empathetic and more connected with the earth and yeah. humanity and every living living thing on the planet and wanting to help everything we're just like yo if everybody had this in their life everybody would be helping each other and there would be a lot less friction so yes. you know we eventually got the opportunity the universe provided it for us and you know we've been providing these uh techniques and tools ever since for the past 17 years 17 years that's a long time yeah no, you have long. like a really old teenager of practice right now you know, yeah. that's so cool. It's it's really interesting how you're talking about the different lenses. And, and I'm sure within those 17 years, you've had to get a new prescription of lens and or clean the lens sometimes. And I'm sure that you've been doing this practice enough where you've witnessed other people kind of like switch their prescription of like how they see the world and how they experience their communities and how they show up to themselves. There's something really beautiful about that. Because like if we're not developing, what are we doing? You know, like that's my whole thing is like, what are we doing? You know, if we're not willing to feel uncomfortable and like challenge ourselves, then that's when you get stuck. Yeah, Uh, I won't be stuck. mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like y'all are superheroes, too. Like there is some like straight up. There is a superhero power within that because everything is vibration and energy and a wave and the waves that you're allowing people to accelerate they're omnipresently spreading it out from their center you know and you're empowering them to reach where the good stuff is you know and that's like it's this is the work right here you know you're doing it and i'm superheroes in this room so <laughs> i'm just like i'm digging that um inside i'm like doing a fist pump since you said we're superheroes. i'm like yes we have made it <laughs> internal fist pump (laughs) all right so so what's next for you what's next for holistic life foundation any future plans anything in the horizon anything you want to share it's just scaling up um we want to help more people uh we we wanted to help as many people as possible we realized that person to person there's only so many people that we can help even with the program staff of 40 um so we wanted to figure out some ways to help more people but use technology to our advantage so we came up with this program. There's a couple of things. We came up with a program called uh, Bridging Academics in the Mind. Or BAM! Oh, I like a, that. Right? Can you it's, do that again? BAM! All right. And, uh, it's a so sound it, bite. It's, like a, it's a combination of like an online curriculum, um, online audio recordings, and online animations. Mm-hmm. Online animations yeah. of us like teaching practices. But mm. I think the thing that we've struggled with, the things along those, t- along those lines, is fidelity. And making sure that people are teaching the practices the right way and people are, like, taking ownership of the practice. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, you can you can turn on a recording in a room, but, like, you need someone, like, you need the teacher to buy in as well and to have their own practice to some extent. Yeah. Because the, the kids are going to have questions. Things are going to come up. So, I mean, there's a lot of training that will be involved in this program as mm-hmm. well. But I think it's a step in the right direction for us. Um, some curriculum development and some things that we're working on. 
I mean, but again, with curriculum development, you don't want people to get tied to a curriculum because the way that we teach and the way that we train yeah. our teachers is you walk into a room with a toolbox and you just listen yeah. like, with your ears and with your heart. Like you listen to the students and then you yeah. give them what they need. So we're trying to figure that mm-hmm. out too. We do a lot of consulting and traveling these days, like helping people set up uh, mindfulness programs at their schools and in their communities. And uh, another thing that's happened a lot is like with, even with mindfulness becoming so mainstream, there's a lot of people that go out and they'll take like a weekend long mindfulness workshop and they're like oh i know this now i can go teach it at this school and i'm going to start a school-wide program i mean hold up you know what i mean (laughs) like wait a minute yeah and they'll start and they'll crash and burn so schools will call us and be like uh could you come fix this please yeah so yeah and i would say ideally i mean the the big big picture is um i mean we want it to be everywhere you know baltimore is our baby and that's what we're really really focused on but uh anywhere that people invite us to come we'd like to spread the techniques and the practices and the programs and get them to start implementing them in their areas and neighborhoods and mm-hmm. um i mean we're really i think making a, a dramatic change in the education system already with our, our programs um straying from punitive practices and, and going to more of these self-care techniques that they yeah. can use but i think ideally the intention is to go beyond just the education field and just to make it everywhere. So in politics, in the healthcare system, in the military, yes, you know, everywhere. Thank people you. People should be breathing and <laughs> Thank meditating. <you>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, please we're, do that. So one of the one of the bigger projects we're working on now is um with the Ford Foundation, the Foundation for Mindful Society, Mindful Magazine, mm-hmm. and actually with Naropa too. Um, this yeah. Mindful Cities Baltimore project, where we're going to look at trying to infuse mindfulness into the entire city. So it'll be. Oh. In the schools, it'll be in the, with the police, mm. it'll be with the politicians, with business leaders, with families, yeah. and figuring out, like, like we know what we do really well as the Holistic Life Foundation, yeah. but there are also people around the country that do some amazing work as far as mindfulness goes, so bringing in mm-hmm. as many partners as possible to make it really strong and make it work in Baltimore so that yes. Baltimore can become a mindful city. And if Ooh. stuff works in Baltimore, it can work anywhere, you know? Like, mm. so it's definitely a great uh, first place to start and then yeah. be able to scale it out from there. So what you're telling me is it can work anywhere. Totally. Definitely. Yes. This mm-hmm. is good stuff. I'm feeling the inner tickle right now. Uh, 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 the inner fist pump. <laughs> the, and my inner fist pump is just like raging right now. That's like, awesome. like, <laughs> like homie just dropped the beat and I'm just like, yes. <laughs> so, oh my God. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into this, like bringing the city into it. And it's not just like an educational based thing. It's like bringing everybody in together to work on it. Bringing, bringing a whole city together that's a huge task and I bow to that. Let's do that. And how does that look for you? Like how, who do you talk to? Do you do that? You start with like the, the mayor, you start with like the people on the board of trustees of the city. You speak with the police department. You bring the, you just bring everybody like, Hey, meet us here in the park. Like everybody show up and we'll just like get down. <laughs> I, I think it's, um, we start off with a local foundation, the Zanvel and Isabel Krieger trust. Okay. Um, they've been supporters of ours for a long time and like are just really good hearted people. Yeah. Uh, just and in love general. Baltimore. Yeah, they love Baltimore. Mm. And, and I think it's more of like, I think our first step is just going to come up with an inventory of what's going on in Baltimore and who would be strong partners. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like just really kind of going about it strategically. So, because like having people show up somewhere would be beautiful. You know what I mean? But I feel like we have to be more meticulous about it and more. Yes purposeful about every single action we make so that we can make sure that it's working and getting everywhere and because there's a lot of mm. strong partners that we could have in baltimore but it's a matter and making sure that everyone's voice is heard and everyone yeah. is being listened to and and i think that's what's going to make this project really be strong and really help push baltimore into actually being yes. a local city mm. 
sounds like you've done your homework and you know exactly what where you want to go you have the skill you have the knowledge you have the the 10 years 17 years behind you there's like some really things starting to like come to fruition here and i love i love the like you know like you can build a garden in a park and it can feed a little community but if you teach a city how to build a garden in every little nook and cranny Mm -hmm. like that's what's going on you know you you're feeding the people that you're bringing them together they're working in the earth they're working in their hearts like there's nothing better you can do than that you know preach preach you you preach (laughs) you're doing it i'm i'm reiterating You know, this is this is all good stuff. I got a dope garden too, so I'm down. You know, like like I, I was gonna do it this weekend, but apparently it's snowing, so <laughs> it's I'm not. So, how many schools are you involved in at the moment? Uh, where are you working now? Where have you been implementing? It's Baltimore's your hometown. Is there anything outside the state that you're doing? Baltimore, we work in the public and private school. Uh, just educationally, we work in the public and private yeah. schools. Public schools about ten thousand kids a week. Um, the private schools, I mean, private schools are wow. smaller, so it's a lot less. That's but, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a mm. whole lot. Um, and then we set up programs in Louisville, Kentucky, at Fairdale High School. We helped to set up a mindfulness, mindful moment program, uh, similar to what we do in Baltimore at several schools. Yeah. Uh, where we did training of uh, the person that is like their mindfulness liaison at the school like their mindfulness person at the school like they okay. have a mindfulness staff member at the school that's all in charge they of, don't like, call them a psychologist it's a mindfulness no nah, it's like the her, she, her title she's like the mindfulness person oh, at the dude, school it, it's all about like the way we label it mm-hmm. it kind of gives me a you know, keep going <laughs> yeah so so we we help them set up that program and, stra- and train like some student ambassadors to help her out and support her yeah so that program's going really well on the eastern shore of maryland somerset county uh we're, we're working on going district wide out there we started with three schools uh where we helped them set up mindful moment programs and, and train their staff and some young people to be able to help the staff to be able to facilitate those programs yeah um in charlottesville we set up we did a residency and training program where we helped the boys and girls club mm-hmm. um set up a mindfulness program where we trained some 18 to 24 year olds uh to run some programming down there and yeah. we trained them and we sent some of our staff down there to stay for the entire summer so they can kind of model what good teaching looks like and then we pulled yes. ourselves out of the situation mm. and the young people from charlottesville running the program and the, they actually won the program for outstanding new health and wellness program uh in boys and girls clubs in the state of virginia for how nice. well their mindfulness program was going uh in wow. madison there's several schools that we've set up programs up at an elementary school a middle school and a high school yeah so i mean we we're we're all over the place uh, yeah, yeah. S- sorry that busy. question Molly felt like a test of like, oh, can you list all the yeah, I'm, places and I'm, you're and at? The thing is, I'm, I'm, I know I'm missing some because the three of us go out totally. and do stuff, but now it's like our senior staff, those people, that, the, the mm. young people that we started with in 2001 in the fifth grade, they're now like 26, 27 years old. Yeah. Like we'll send them out and they'll go help set up programs in other places too and run programs at schools. So it's yeah. it's not just the three of us. It's it, uh, Like I said, it's a strong team. And we've done that. some international ventures as well too. So really? we've done some work in Austria and Germany and Scotland, England. Mm. And it's always cool to go and uh, face a different culture with a different language and yeah. see how the techniques still resonate, still works beyond language barriers and yeah. everything. You know, the breath and the meditation techniques, you see it. I remember when we were in Austria, it was awesome. When we first got in, and uh, the headmaster looks at us, and she's like, y'all, y'all shouldn't be here. This is a waste of time. Like, the kids aren't going to get nothing out of it. And three days later, they're all asking us to sign autographs and stuff like that. And the headmaster comes up to us, and she's like, look, 
how much would it cost for me to pay for y'all to come move here and to do this program at my school for, for, for the, just forever? And we're looking at her like, three days ago, you said we weren't even going to get mm-hmm. nothing done mm-hmm. here, and now you want us to live here. Mm. Um, of course, we had to come back to Baltimore. but Yeah, of course. Yeah, Home base. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where the heart is. Exactly. Awesome. Well, it's nice to know that the heart is resonating in such a, like your heartbeat of what the work you're doing is resonating starting at Baltimore. But it's it's global, you know. It's really doing this work. How was that like stepping into a different culture? You know, we all have the same apparatus. We all have a mind. We all have a body. We all breathe. How is it going into the um, the templates they have with their cultures and with their minds? What was there anything difficult? Anything easier? How did that show up for you? I mean, I don't know. I, I felt pretty simple for us. I mean, I think we get along with. With mo- generally with most people and uh, yeah. we're just I think the key is we're always real and true to ourselves so we stay uh, genuine and authentic and, and we just go there and know that hey we're just here to share the practice and share ourselves and all that we've learned and the transformation that occurred within us we want other people to feel that same thing so yeah. um, it's fun I mean whenever we go anywhere and, mm. and face any new type of area or culture I always feel like it's it's a it's a stepping stone for us. I think we grow because we learn that um, things can be done different ways or, yeah. that, you know, seeing different cultures and experiencing that type of stuff. I think it always helps us grow spiritually and inwardly as well because, you know, America has some specific ways they do things. And yep. and it's almost like we're brainwashed to think like this is the right way to do things. Yeah. So when you go somewhere else, it's like, hold up, I don't know if what we're doing is the right way to do things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember even just, like, simple things, like in Germany, they blew our minds in, like, public bathrooms. Like, all the public bathrooms, when you stepped out, the lights turned off right away to save huh. electricity. The streets just seemed cleaner because some of the systems they had in place, their refrigerators are super small so that yeah. they're buying more fresh foods. They're not just storing frozen processed foods all the time, you know? Yeah. Little things that if we had never gone there, we wouldn't have seen it and. I know it's changed the way that I I look at the world and the way I live, so it's just very impactful. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. So I got a couple more questions, and I want to start out, what what do you think it is about mindfulness and about yoga that uh, triggers slash empowers people? Like, why that practice? Why not baseball, basketball, writing, you know, all these might do that as well. I don't want to take away from these other practices or like martial arts or something like that. But why, what, what do you think it is with, with being present, being mindful, the breath work and yoga? I think with a lot of those other practices you mentioned, it's some of them are very physical. Some of them are physical and emotional. Some of them are physical, emotional and mental, but yeah, the mindfulness and yoga takes it a step deeper. Mm-hmm. You get a connection to like your, your true inner self, like that spark that's inside of everyone and everything. Like, and you figure out, how to connect to it. Yeah. And I think it's just, it, it's just that deeper connection that you're not going to feel from, I mean, there, there are a lot, there are tons of contemplative practices. So you it might be mindfulness. It might be yoga. It might be yeah. something else, but Definitely. with contemplative practices, you're connecting to like that universal nature inside of everyone and everything. And it's like, <laughs> you I mean, you feel it. Like you, when you get in there, you feel it and you yeah. know, it's there and it's not something that's a theory. It's like, this is a fact. And then like, that's when you have to, like you were saying, you got to, adjust your prescription because like yeah. you were looking at the world the wrong way like you were in the, on the mundane but there's so many other mm-hmm. things going on on so many other different levels and you're connected to it and then you're kind of moving from there and then it's like hard to it's hard to be addicted to somebody when you when you know you're connected to them you know what i yeah. mean like it's hard yeah. it's hard to do that like you you may do it 
in the past when you were looking at yourself as separate, mm-hmm. you like you just you were fine with it. But then like once you your eyes open up to a different thing, it's like, well, you start to feel that remorse about it. Like damn, I messed up right there. Like I shouldn't. Like ah, yeah. like I got I gotta yeah. do something about that. Like that what that wasn't right. And like you start being more aware of the test that the universe is throwing at you. And like as you do, like you start to grow and you start to change and you start yeah. to like you're you're in that zone of uncomfortability where you're where you're constantly growing and you're constantly trying to become even in closer contact with yourself and then as you're becoming in closer contact with yourself you become in closer contact with everything and everyone else around you yeah realizing the connection is never separate mm-hmm. you know following the mystery alchemizing the information that is external cuz i have this feeling where everything external is neutral until you internalize it Hmm. you know so the the more skillful your heart filter is the way you see life the way you see others in the connection the like better everything's gonna turn out to be the universal nectar is just right here for us Mm -hmm. to just just have you know and like ego dissolving ooh, that's not that like that's not fun people don't like that Mm -hmm. but but that's where it's at you know what i mean uh have ego as a friend be skillful with ego and I'm I'm really enjoying like how your perspective is just really clean, clear, simple and available and empowering. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So I got one more question. That's cool. That's cool. Ask away. All right. What are the greatest takeaways from your work? How have you shifted over time being in a teacher position, being in a student position, being in a life living position how have you shifted what have you seen can you speak to any of that it's a great question that's a sorry that's deep no i I like to just cut it through you know so i think um i I guess just for me like it's been a starting from when we first got introduced to the practice to now Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of life changes you know what i mean like just the fact that when we started we were fresh out of college mm. and like things were going on and the world was a different place. And I didn't have, like I have two sons now. So like that changes your perspective a lot. Yeah. Um, I know like just realizing that when we first started, we, I felt like, like I could learn it all. You know what I mean? Like, like, Oh, I can, if I learn this stuff, I'll know it all. Like, and but just realizing like the more we learned, the less we knew, you know what I mean? Like, we're like, I'll yeah. never learn. Like, yeah. it'll take me like six billion incarnations to learn all this stuff. Like, let me just be okay with going inside and soaking nice. up as much as I can. Bodhisattvas. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's, oh, yeah. it's it's not going down. So I think it was just like, mm. and, and realizing that instead of like going out to teach, just being a student all the time, like, like you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, there are yeah. teachers everywhere and in everything, like the people, yeah. nature, like um, even like <laughs> everywhere as teachers, it's just a matter of whether you're open to listen and not mm. too high on your own teacher ego. Just to, like where you're like, no, well, I have all the answers. You should be listening to me. If you yeah. just stop for a second, stop bypassing. Listen. Yeah. Wow. And just honestly, how uh, these techniques and tools are a survival skill. You know, like yes. a lot of people, you know, think that we're always uh, well mannered and mindful and stuff like that. We're human. You know what I mean? Totally. And we make mistakes, and sometimes tests come our way and we fail them. Uh, mm-hmm. But I really think it's one of those things is that we have the consciousness to see that we fail those tests 
mm. when they do come back in our life again, because they will. If you fail a test, it's going to come back in a different type of way. Yeah. And then when you, 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 you analyze it and you're mindful of the test coming back into your life, then you pass it. You know yeah. what I mean? Or and you then, fail the hell out of it a couple more yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. But then after you pass the test eventually, another yeah. test will present itself. Definitely. But then it's like really having tools to be able to deal with the ups and downs of uh, the human experience. And yeah. I think that's one thing that we've been able to grasp is like, no, we're not holier than now. We make mistakes. We mess Definitely. up. You know, so, but it's all about having these techniques to kind of check yourself yeah. and energize yourself and check in and bring, bring yourself back to center skillfully consciously owning it mm-hmm. that's what i'm hearing and and uh maybe redefining what failure means to you because maybe failure actually means growth instead of like oh, i failed you know mm-hmm. and it's like we have this taboo like don't fail mm-hmm. like screw that fail mm-hmm. learn develop yeah. like see what's going on you know yeah. totally that's, that's definitely cool. how you learn is by failing a few times you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean like you're not gonna learn if you're like just floating on through and everything's uh, all easy like you you get your ass kicked by life. That's where you're really going to learn some yeah. stuff. And that's where best practices arise. That's <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> Anything you want to share? I mean, I think they hit it. Basically, I would say, um, you know, I think one thing throughout the entire process that probably impacted all of us, but I know really like smacked me in my face. I didn't have the same foundation as, as they had when they were younger. You know, mm-hmm. their parents meditated and they were introduced to a lot of these concepts. So it wasn't yeah. until college that I started really uh, diving into all this stuff. And I, I think the, um, the main thing is, is just realization of self, you know, of, of mm. who I really am, you know, beyond yeah. my name and my race and age and this physical, but more the, the real, you know, infinite self, that omniscient, yeah. omnipresent, omnipotent self yeah. that all of us are. And, and, <laughs> and that realization was so powerful, you know, mm. and, and for me to recognize that and then to see that in, in all other living things. And, mm-hmm. and that's where that love stems from that, um, you know, Ali touched on it, like, how are you going to be uh, mean or rude to somebody? You're being mean or rude to yourself. You know, like, why not yeah. just, just, you should be loving to everything all the time because yeah. it's just another version of you. You know, you're the architect of your your own destiny. You, you've manifested this reality for your experience to, to face these struggles and this, you yeah. know, and, and getting kicked in the ass every once mm-hmm. in a while. You know, like, you people are also like, I can't believe this is going on. I'm like, you know, you made yourself get your ass kicked, right? So you can learn that lesson, you know? So it's all part yeah. of it, I think. I think learning that and mm. and learning that, that it's really just interactions, you know, yeah. that there is no teacher there is no student we are all just one and, and mm. you know our teacher always says that to us and i still call him teacher and he hates it when i call him teacher he's <laughs> like i'm just a conduit or i'm just a reminder so i always try to say yeah reminder or conduit yeah. and now i just see it as um you know you go through life and you have interactions mm. yeah. with individuals scenarios situations mm-hmm. and and both parties are learning or, yes. or multiple parties are learning yeah. from the interaction with each other mm. and that's how we continue to grow until we can finally unite and be one again yeah there's a martial art practice that I do and my teacher we he's called a Sifu and it's teacher father so he like holds these roles where it's like mentor teacher father and everyone else is like brother and sister in the class so I can kind of see him as like what practice do you uh it's called Shingi it's a form of like uh Kung Fu the Tai Chi Mm -hmm. it's it's some real it's some heady stuff Uh. (laughs) yeah it's like bringing the gravity of the heaven and earth and putting it into person. So like when you talk about breath, you know, people breathe from their lungs. The lungs are like a cup. You fill it up, you're full. But if you bring from your Dantian where the heaven and earth meet, that's like where they say what's up. 
that's <laughs> that's where you can like fill your body up with breath. So I've done a lot of like different breathing techniques and brought it out of the martial arts and kind of like stepped it into the like meditative sort of mm-hmm. sense. And that's dope. It's not just it's not just martial. It's art. You know, mm. the martial is the art, and it's like throughout it they've learned that like wow, this is actually a good way of to live as well. You know, you saying that made me remind me. That I think one thing that that's come up recently a lot for me is the importance of staying grounded yes like connected to this like not being too spiritual i mean but being really really grounded at times to really be able to be effective in this human experience like you can't Mm -hmm. be too like our dad and our teacher used to always say you can't have your head in the clouds and your ass on the ground like you have to be you got to be here too like you're in this human experience you have to experience it you have to enjoy it you have to learn from it so it can't just be a total Mm -hmm spiritual endeavor like it has to be a combination of the two it's the balance yeah Yeah, like heaven's gravity like we grow up as humans like literally we get vertical when we start getting older and the gravity of earth is holding us down and then where the the chi is developed is in the middle is in your dantian like kind of three inches below like back in your belly button and that's where the breath starts so heaven and earth get to meet there and that's i feel like you're speaking to that where it's this gravitational pull of like realizing we're going up Mm -hmm. and realize we're going down and then this is where we hang out Mm -hmm. you know heaven earth in person so Mm -hmm. man when you talk about you're a superhero too Uh, we're we're like the avengers up in here (laughs) (laughs) we like just combining forces right now (laughs) all right let's do it okay i i just have one more question because I'm kind of curious, like, how did, you said you came later to the practices, so they're brothers, yeah, and you're, they're, I, I met him in college, you're the superhero that came a little bit later, yeah. developing your own skill, and then you're just like, oh, here we go, yeah, so how, how did you all meet? It was just in college, really, okay. uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we, we like to say that we met at a meditation club or something like that, but okay. we met out partying at bars and house parties and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, yeah, so we were just, kind of pretty wild guys in college we were party animals and uh late night conversations turned philosophical and spiritual just talking about the meaning of life and why we're here and what Mm. we want to do and we had a lot of similarities uh in terms of the way that we viewed the world and we saw a lot of suffering going on and yeah being that we're into the superhero type stuff we thought Mm. man we gotta save the world man who else gonna do it no one else seems like they want to do it it's gonna be on us so we're gonna do it yeah and that's kind of you know it piqued our curiosity and we started going deeper and deeper and that's when like our our party group turned into a book club and we started studying you know mm. um, outwardly inwardly and then one day Atman was at the godfather's house with all of us and he saw that book on that altar that yogi bhajan book and had those yeah. meditations and that's where it all really began he's like show up at four in the morning we all were knocking on his door at three fifty-five in the morning yeah i was gonna say did he say four in the morning it was, was that like the first test Probably so. I think so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it was late. It was late when he told it to us, and we had some libations in us and stuff like that. So yeah. I think he was looking at us, kind of like, "Are you really gonna wake up? Yeah, do you really want to do this? Yeah. Show me." Yeah, exactly. And, and then, you, uh, seventeen, eighteen years later, we're still learning from him. Yeah. The learning process is never over. Never. You know what I mean? And and the the way you digest the information might shift. And it seems like there was there was some sort of like conversation about like talking about life and the meaning of life. And what's weird is is the thing that's thinking about the meaning of life is the brain, and it's like conceptualizing the reality in which we live in the fabric that we're weaving all the time. And it's like, is the brain even able to like fathom? Like, look how vast the freaking universe is. Yeah. You know, like, we, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to give it meaning. 
There is no meaning. It's uniquely given to you to decide what that is. And to have like a really good center that's glowing bright and just just really vibrant and and being able to like burst that out, you know, and to you know we're gonna run into to things that don't vibrate with us, but to to have the skills to practice things to to maneuver through those difficult spaces is we're like how that's how we grow up. I want to grow up. <laughs> Show me how. So, I think that's it for me. I'm I'm really loving this conversation i don't yeah. want to hold you guys up too much um it was just like such a pleasure such an honor extremely refreshing to like speak with you all so thank you for coming today yeah i just want to say we've been on a lot of podcasts you're really really good at this yeah. what no yeah, you're good you're real good <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. like i would like to hang and just chat with yeah, you for after real, this for a while you that's, that's awesome right. well I, you guys are leaving today, huh? Yeah, yeah. We'll I was going to say, I'm DJing a sushi bar. If you guys, oh, like, wow. they give me a tab and they got, like, fine drinks and uh, I, I take y'all out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll be back, so yeah, you know, yeah, next sure. time we All do right. come out we'll here. We'll make sure we get your contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm like a DJ on the side, so I'm always, like, doing some crazy stuff. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So you're the person we need to hang with on yeah. the weekend. Yeah, I do I do a bunch of shit, but, yeah. like, let's let's trade some connections Definitely. and I'd love to keep it tight. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So I'd like to thank our special guests to the podcast and also to the Naropa community from the Holistic Life Foundation. We have Ali and Otman Smith and Andy Gonzalez. And I'd just like to say thank you once again. Thank Thank you you so much. Love all y'all. Boom. Boom. On behalf of the Naropa community, thank you for listening to Mindful You, the official podcast of Naropa University. Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.